Hello everyone and welcome to A Few Choice Words podcast. I am joined today by the very lovely Carol Devaney, who is a wonderful friend and a fellow masterminder. Carol is a business-to-business strategist who helps entrepreneurs win hundreds and thousands of pounds of corporate contracts. CEO of a global B2B consultancy and founder of The Corporate Method, Carol gives small business owners the blueprint for selling to corporates. Welcome, Carol. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Chantelle. It's lovely to chat to you today. I've wanted to have you on for ages because corporate, as you know, is, is my background as well. I left that that behind a while ago, um, <laughs> about five years ago now, nearly. And it's something that I think, especially as entrepreneurs and small business owners, is quite a daunting world for people, for small business owners, the whole yeah. corporate machine. So I'm really interested to get some ideas from you about how small business owners can kind of start thinking about corporate in a different way, perhaps, and get over some of those those fears and hurdles that might be in the way. But also to chat to you a bit about your story and how you found the transition from corporate to entrepreneurship. Brilliant. Well, you, you know, I'm all about taking away the, mis- the, the sort of mystery of corporate because it definitely puts people off. And I'm like, get in there, you're leaving money on the table. They want you, they have the work, they have the budget, you have what they need. So all about helping people do that. Right. We'll we'll definitely come on to talking a bit about the corporate method because I would love to share a bit more about that with listeners because I think there's so many people listening to this podcast who could benefit from working with you on that next year when you open up the next cohort. But to start off with, I would love to know, can you tell us a bit about your own background and how you got into doing what you do now, where you started and, and the journey you've come on to get to where you are? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you the potted history because there's nothing worse than the story that starts with, well, the day I was born, so I was in a corporate environment for a long time, sort of tw- 20 years, and I, I did various things that then led me into working in a, a corporate environment. I didn't do the traditional leave school, go to university, um, work in corporate route, which lots of people think. I did the, I'm not going to do a law degree. I think it would be better to work in a news agent. Um, now I'm a pregnant teenager, and I'm not sure this is the trajectory I'd planned for my life. Um, okay. and, and then went through various jobs and got my education, my, my university education later in life. Um, but in that corporate environment, I just did a really strong work ethic and, and worked really hard and ended up being quite a senior individual in some, some very, very large corporates in the UK and then got headhunted over to work in Toronto. So that was that was quite a change. Uh, went over there to, to do a job, lived in Toronto, had the, the sort of vice president lifestyle, you know, season tickets at the opera, um, condo with all the, the, the facilities that come with that, downtown, great lifestyle, great job uh, and then the job changed significantly and that was really outside of the the control of me and the, the people that I worked for but the job changed to be something that wasn't quite what I anticipated doing and it just got me to stop for a little minute and think you know for the last while in corporate although I've applied for jobs and got you know some, some quite significant promotions at times that, that I was excited about. You know, I loved the jobs. I loved being able to sort of take my earnings from beyond what I'd ever expected into what felt like, you know, stratospheric sort of money. Yeah. Um, but I realised a lot of this is I've kind of been on the corporate track. I haven't really stopped that many times and thought, what is it I want to do next? I've plotted what the next thing is and then how to get there. But I haven't really thought, is this what I 
what to do now that I'm almost a grown-up um, or as grown-up <laughs> as I'm going to be. So I actually took some time to think, yeah, this, this isn't what I want to do. I want to do my own thing. So I decided to start my own business and that meant leaving the job that I was in. And I spoke to a few people and said, this is what I'm thinking about doing, waiting for someone to go, are you mad? Look at what you've got. You've got the, you know, the lovely office, you've got the GPA, you've got the lifestyle. And every single person I spoke to said, that sounds like an amazing idea. We would love you to work with us. Let us know as soon as you're established. So uh, it quickly snowballed and and I left my corporate job and, and set up my, my consultancy, which is now, as of, as of this month, a global consultancy. We've, we've been trading globally for a few years, but we now actually have an office overseas. Where's that? That's in Toronto. Amazing. That's exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I love the idea, first of all, that you went and searched for the opposite of validation <laughs> when you were trying to start your business. <laughs> I absolutely love that. That sounds just like something I would do. So what what do you think was because I'm always intrigued by people's decision making process here. So you talk about like deciding that wasn't for you. What do I really want to do with my life? And I love that because I think so many people never have that tripwire moment where they go, hey, I could kind of do anything I want with my one wild and precious life. Maybe it isn't sitting in an office all day. <laughs> and so I always love hearing that people have had that moment where it's almost like a light bulb's gone off. And often it happens when something goes a bit wrong in our life or when something's really hard personally. And, and we kind of get that that moment of like, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, I spend so many hours working for someone else. Money, you can't take it with you. You know, what are the things I want to do and focus on in my life? So I'd, I'd love to know, like, what what do you think triggered that for you? What was the moment where you kind of went, what was the thought process behind going, actually, I've had this amazing success, but I'm I'm prepared to take a punt and leave that behind and and maybe because that is essentially what business is right it's going I'm investing in myself I'm backing myself to be able to do this so what was your thought process how did that how did that kind of come about for you um I think it was a, a series of steps actually so there, there was a night where I remember and I remember this really distinctly I was working in my office quite late which is not unusual that wasn't unusual in that job or any job I had done for a long time quite often first person in, last person out so I was working away and, and I was at what I was doing is I was reviewing consultancy bills and I was approving them so that they could be paid uh, and they were quite significant sums and one of the consultants on that list came in and said we're all off to the pub or wherever they don't really say pub in Canada they were off to the pub do you want to join us and I said oh I have to stay here and get this work finished um, and he was, he was sort of trying to talk me into going and I was joking with him saying I'm signing off your bills do you really want me to go and he was like, oh, do not let me stop you. And on the way out, he said, I don't know why you're not a consultant because you work consultancy hours. Because in my head, what was stopping me being a consultant was I like, I already work really hard and I see consultants work, you know, crazy hours, really, um, really long hours. And I don't want to move to working even more hours. Mm-hmm. And when he sort of said that, it did make me stop and think, well, they're all going to the pub and I'm still here. <laughs> So something is not quite right here. So I stayed and I signed it off a little bit later. And I, and I mean, a matter of probably less than a month, there was a there was a conversation about me moving to the other role. There were a, a week of conversations about me moving to this other role and we were sort of negotiating what that would look like. 
and it was actually suddenly announced um, by my boss, who no longer works there, I have to say. Um, it was announced to the business. And I, I came home that night and I said to my husband, I am not used to being treated like that. And I am not really a person who tolerate being treated like that. And the person who was her boss, essentially, I could have gone to him because we knew each other. He had brought me over there and I could have gone to him and said, you know, I could have blown the whole thing up, but that's just not me. And it just felt like a bit of another message from the universe to go, is is this what is this what you're doing? Like, is this how you're going to let things go on? But I knew, like, my, my golden advice to everyone is never make a decision in a crisis unless you have to. I work in projects a lot, and quite often you do have to make a decision in a crisis, and you have to make a decision without all the information you would like to have, and that's an essential but if you're not in that situation, like you, you, if you can leave it a bit, that's a good thing to do. So I actually took a week off at Christmas and I said to my husband, I think I'm about to blow up our entire life because if I left my job, I'd lose my work visa there. Um, and that meant leaving the country. And we had only emigrated a year before. So I said, I think I need to have some time off and relax and decide if this is what we want to do. So let's go to Mexico for a week at Christmas. Um, and decide from there and and that's what I did. Amazing. I I can certainly empathize with a particular piece of that story which is very similar to the reason I left my corporate job which was I'm not sure that I've honored my own personal boundaries on this journey. Like I think that one of the things that happens often very slowly (laughs) and piece by piece in a corporate environment is that you get depersonalized or for me, this was what happened is I felt yeah. like I lost my identity in quite a serious way. And the, I suppose you could say that the straw that broke the camel's back for me was there was a change up in the structure of the business I was working in. And this absolutely horrendous middle manager got put between me and the previous wonderful boss I had been working directly with. And he was a really good example. I'm not going to name anyone. Obviously, this is public. <laughs> you can guess if it's you. Um <laughs> But this person was a really good example of being promoted to your level of incompetence in a corporate environment. You know, absolute, like, just blustering, wide boy, like, you know, the kind of used car salesman of the corporate world. Um, and because I've worked in sales, you, you know the kind of person I'm talking about, this sort of um, gets away with not really knowing what they're doing because they have a really loud voice and are incredibly confident and full of conviction in their own ability and so I was incredibly mismanaged for the sort of three or four months I think it was in the end that I was working for this person and I'd get phone calls at 6am and 10pm and just constant harassment if it wasn't micromanaging it was ignoring so the pressure the stress and the, the feeling that I think I suddenly woke up one day and realized I was waking up you know either shaking or in tears because I was so anxious so completely downtrodden by this experience and I remember just turning around to my partner at the time being like I I don't think I'm being treated very well and him being like no shit (laughs) (laughs) like oh this is a surprise (laughs) (laughs) when you said that you know I I'm not a person that tolerates being treated this way it's it's that moment I think that crystallizes that sort of risk being worth it, isn't it? Almost where you go, I I really want to be in charge of my own life, and not yeah. just that, I want to be able to say with conviction, 
how I will and will not be treated, what I will and will not do, who I will and will not work with. And those, those are the real gifts of, of running your own business. Those, those freedoms and that kind of ability to set your own boundaries for me was a huge part of it. Yeah, it's a huge part. And, and a, a huge part for me as well is when you have the privilege of getting to, to senior positions, and that doesn't matter how relative that is to, to the pay or to the scale of the organisation, but when you get the privilege of being in a leadership position, you've got other people looking at you as a role model, you have to be really realistic and recognise that what you choose for you is what you choose for them, because you're saying to them, this is how I accept being treated, therefore this is how I expect you to accept being treated. And it's, I've worked with some people who have said, oh no, I, I can absorb it all and then show them a different way and create something different. And, and sometimes you do have to be a, a buffer for teams, whether they work for you or not, but you have to be realistic to, to know that people are watching what you put up with and going, okay, well that I have to be willing to do that. So you create that culture by your acceptance of it. And I knew no matter if we get like through this hurdle, and it was, wasn't the first hurdle that had come up, I'm going to be in this position again and again. And it's either going to erode me or I'm going to just remove myself from the situation because I know what I can control, what I can influence and what I can just pack up my stuff and get out of there. And I thought, you know, you guys actually brought me all across the ocean. You spent a fortune on headhunters to have me here. Um, and, and this is how you're going to treat me. This is a bad decision on your part. And I'm just going to have to remove myself from the situation because I'll, I'll either get another job or start my own business. And it, and it, it was probably 60-40 that I would start my own business. I did think about getting my own, uh, getting another job. I could just have come back to the UK or I could have gone back to Canada eventually. But I knew if I'm ever going to start my own consultancy, this is the time it's going to happen because I've sold my house. You know, when you blow up your life, you may as well blow up every part of it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> In for a penny. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And that's so true. I think you're absolutely right. You know, you, you teach people how to treat you, don't you? And and you teach others by what you accept, how they can expect to be treated. So I love that. That's such good advice. And such good advice, not just for corporate leaders, but even, you know, in our own small businesses. Yeah. What kind of, it's, it's a it's a kind of um, food for thought of what kind of culture do we want to create? You know, what do we absolutely. want to start Sorry, I interrupted you there. Yeah, it's the same when you think about when you're in a small business, you know, how you let your clients treat you and is how you are setting up the culture of your small business. Doesn't matter if you're one person or 10 people or, you know, 20 people, because you're also saying to your your team, this is how I expect you to be treated by our customers. And, And you have a choice. You know, if you think from a sort of abundant space, you have a choice in who you work with. And you have a choice in how you let those people treat you too. So but I, I I still keep that value in our business now. There are people we simply don't work with. Yeah. Yes. Oh God, me too. So many. <laughs> and I, it's because I have, I think I've gone into like immediate red on that boundary. So I, I love this, this. I was listening to the podcast the other day to talk about um, boundaries being like green, amber and red. And how <laughs> if you've been burned by a boundary being lapsed before, you tend to be red on it immediately. <laughs> yeah. version. So with this, I'm like, if someone's not a good fit, it's a, it's a hard no or a quote triple the price. <laughs> Yeah. Which is the same thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because when I first left corporate and started my own business, I did this horribly. I, I was just the most 
acquiescent people pleaser you could imagine you know I, I wanted every piece of work that was available I assumed I didn't have abundance mindset at all I was completely I was in so much debt I was so desperate to make this work so I didn't have to go back for another job and you know unbeknownst to me at the time also very mentally unwell very anxious you know just incredibly burnt out and so I I took the approach of well if they're you know if they're going to give me money then I should be grateful and I should work with anyone who wants to hire me and if they want to negotiate me down on price well that's you know them just being a good business person and and what I realized really quickly is exactly what you just said you know you you set this culture up and even if it is just you, as it has been in my business up until quite recently, it's it's a culture that you absorb and that affects how you feel about your work, your clients, everything. You you take people on going, oh, well, it's money. And you end up just feeling so resentful every time you work for them. It's absolutely yeah. not worth it. Yeah. Definitely not. You, you want a business where every client you work with is a person that you think, Oh, I'm happy to spend time working with them, for them, socialising with them. You don't have to, you know, spend Christmas with your entire client network. But pretty much in our business, there's no one that we work with. Not pretty much, actually. Absolutely not. There's no one in our business that if the phone rings and they're on it, I dread answering it. Or that I think, oh, we don't want more work from them. So, And, and that's a really nice culture to have because it's, you know, it, it's just nice. <laughs> absolutely so what were the biggest challenges for you do you think when you first started your business obviously you had all this experience in in delivering more or less the same kind of projects that you were working on in your corporate role but what were what were the most noticeable things when you started your own business that you hadn't expected as challenges um yeah, so there were some things that were kind of obvious. So I knew that suddenly my income was going to drop significantly. That, that was kind of there. And I thought, well, I just have to deal with that. That's okay. Um, and it's maybe a bit easier if you've, if you've had different amounts of money throughout your life because you know I actually don't need this kind of level of income to survive and actually to live quite nicely. You know that a lot of what you've got is, is extra. So that, that was fine. The bit that I, I missed was the whole team around you. Because when you've been working in corporate for so long, you know, you're used to a great HR person, a great IT team, I was used to an, a, an executive assistant that, you know, I barely looked at my diary because I would come in in the morning and she would say, this is what's happening for you today. You know, if anything came up like as an emergency, I wouldn't be the person that would go, well, what do I move? What do I change? That would all happen like magic for me. She would be the person that would come in and say to people, you know, that meeting's over. You need to leave now. She's got the next person coming. She was kind of like, uh, I, don't, I don't know, spirit guides the right way. She's my physical guide. <laughs> and, and, and that, you know, having that support there, you know, I never ever took it for granted. But I didn't realise what a big loss having all of that structure in place would be. You know, now when I was suddenly self-employed and it was it was essentially me and the laptop that's how I started the business people look at where you are now and they think that's where they have to be it was me and a laptop um that started and if that laptop didn't turn on there was no IT department to phone so <laughs> all of that structure of the buck stops for me and it wasn't my first time in self-employment but it was my first time at that sort of the level I was trying to work with because my clients were corporate so that was kind of a big miss the two things I hadn't anticipated at like a, a more emotional level where I had an enormous network. I, I like people. I'm kind of a collector of people as I, as I go through life and the world. And, and I love that. And someone phoned me recently and said, I'm, I'm asking for your help because you've got the best network I know. 
and like for our industry but that network is a corporate network and some of those people and some of those people were friends and they were clients they weren't people I could speak to about my business so they weren't people I could really speak to about if I spoke to them about cash flow cash flow to them meant within their project or their budget didn't mean get the money from somewhere in the business pay the stuff work out if there's anything less I didn't talk to them about them some of the you know the challenges you face or all the joys of just landed my first big contract you know or my first little contract because mm-hmm. they'd be like great well done I knew you would whereas speaking to like so if I spoke speak to someone like you Chantelle and I'm like oh wait I tell you this thing that happened to my business you're like oh my god that's a huge milestone well done and it's yeah. not that they aren't happy for me but they don't sense the joy from the place of understanding that you and I would so so that mm-hmm. was probably the big thing I thought I need to build a business network because I need to have other people around me that I can talk to who understand that and I'm like oh that's great yeah why are we talking about that and and the other thing I didn't figure in was like the loss of identity because I'd I'd had quite a prominent role I'd worked on some really high profile projects like I was used to kind of hanging in in circles where people like oh do you know that person I'm not phased by people's seniority or money I'm just like hey like further up the tree the monkey goes the more you exposes its bottom so we're all just people but I was used to having that profile and that job title when I said to people and this role in this company people knew what that meant or they'd be like oh that sounds really senior and Mm -hmm. although I wouldn't say I was I'm not really driven by hierarchy we're all driven by identity you know we've all got an ego and we've all got an identity and I'd worked hard to get those roles I wasn't I didn't look or sound like the kind of people who were normally in those roles who I stood out as an individual in those roles and, and I was quite proud of that. And I always made sure to pull people up the ladder with me. But suddenly I was kind of like, oh, when people be like, oh, so who are you? But like, well, I used to be, I was this, I did that. And suddenly all of that was historic. And I felt that quite personally because I thought, well, I'm the managing director of this company. But so far this company is new and I, and I spent six months building it before I even sought out a client. So that was quite a difficult transition to go from you know, I am to I was. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I feel that so hard. I, I remember one of the things that I loved most about working in big corporates was being able to say the company name and people are like, oh, cool. Yeah. And <laughs> when you suddenly go from that to, oh, I, I work for myself. And they're like, uh-huh. Okay, nice. Do you, do you get by? Are you okay? Do you need a sandwich? And you're like, no, yeah. <laughs> but there's a very different <laughs> attitude that people take towards, you know, like you say, that very traditional corporate hierarchy. Um, and like, as you described, I took that very straightforward path, like university, graduate scheme, corporate jobs. That was the route I took. So to decide to jump off that, I, I definitely experienced some of what you're talking about, that almost like loss of um, it is, it, it sounds terrible too, but it is, it is ego, isn't it? You kind of feel like, don't you know who I used to be? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's advice I give to people that are coming out of it who are either yeah. thinking they're doing the same thing as me or, or, or like maybe going to work for other consultancies, but they're still mm-hmm. like quite young consultancies. I'm like, you have to really know yourself to know how much that's going to impact you. And, and, and I gave that advice to one person who said, I hadn't even thought of that. And a little bit later, they said to me, I'm not going to go out on my own because that's a big thing for me. 
That's so interesting. It's something I see all the time with with my clients. So I run courses for people who it tends to be women. It tends to be generally my clients who come onto my copywriting courses are women between the ages of 35 and 50. And they've typically had families left careers, usually often successful careers to either have family or look at the kids when they're young or go part time, whatever. And what I find is they they come into these programs to learn how to start this new career or, or grow a small business they've started and they feel like they're starting from scratch yeah they they feel like because they don't have that that hierarchy or that job or that title anymore they are no longer that thing they're doing something new so they feel like they're starting from scratch and the amount of times I've had to sit there on coaching calls and be like you had a 20-year career in marketing you know your shit like you you are not at the bottom of this ladder, you you know what you're doing. This is just about, you know, and it ends up being so much more. I don't know whether this is true for you and your courses as well, but it ends up being as much about building people's confidence to do the thing as it is about teaching the skills or the, the blueprint to do the thing. So I, I wonder if it's the same kind of phenomenon. People leave that title and that job and they almost lose that a huge chunk of their identity, but confidence too. A lot yeah. of us get get our confidence and our kind of self-esteem from from being a thing from doing a job yeah it's really interesting that was something you struggled with too yeah I definitely see it in my course like I would say that there is a unit a module we do called overcome your doubts Mm -hmm. and I I realized from the last time doing it that actually I need to help people do that a lot more I think if they come from a corporate background they come with different doubts than if they've never worked in corporate but it's all at the root of the same emotions that we're experiencing, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, I definitely see that that loss of self-identity. And I remember years ago, I, I, talking about a role that I had, uh, and I just got a big promotion. I was telling a friend, uh, and she was saying she'd gone to some event and someone had said to her, oh, what is it you do? It's like a second question. You know, like, what's your name? What is it you do? And she said, I mean, I resented that so much. I am not my job. I mean, <laughs> would you not be furious? And I'm like... No, that's exactly the second question that I would expect them to ask me. And it's probably the second piece of information I would give. And she's like, are you your job? I'm like, yes, I am my job. <laughs> so I know, like, looking back on that, that's why that loss of identity was so hard, because it had, it had become a huge part of my identity. And a part that I was proud of, you know, I, I'm not I'm not disparate in the corporate organisation that I worked in for creating that, because I was always proud to be part of them. Like you say, I was happy to say, this is this is where I work this is what we do and I, and I think it's valuable work it's legacy work absolutely so what advice do you give people and and what worked for you in that situation having started your own business it's still fairly fresh and you're feeling that that loss of identity what did you do what worked to I suppose rebuild your confidence and and help you to feel like the managing director of a business again um, I mean, some some really basic stuff, like we'd taken some time off to go and, and live in the south of France. And that sounds really glamorous. People are like, oh, you must have <laughs> millions in the bank. Your husband must have had a fabulous job. My husband hadn't worked in years. He was really ill and, and it would be another while before he would work again. Unfortunately, he's really well now. But at that point, I was the income. So mm-hmm. when I stopped working, there was no millions in the bank. Uh, there was no, you know, trust fund or anything to go to. So we lived quite simply in the south of France. And I, I knew I just had to reset a few things because I knew I had to walk into similar environments I had been and, and kind of know who the heck I was. 
and be mm-hmm. really confident in saying, and this is what I'm offering, because I knew otherwise I'll drift into work because it will validate what I'm what I feel like I've lost. So I I mean it was as simple as we lived a simple lifestyle in the south of France. I had time off, I would get up every morning and write, then I would get up then I would do some more work on building the business and then I would go to the beach and wander about the beach. I would eat fresh food from the markets, you know, just really like create that space to think, what is it? You know, it wasn't wasn't sort of eat free love, but it was as, as close mm-hmm. probably as, as I'm ever going to get to it, I think. Um, yeah. And it was simple things like that. I'm just thinking, well, nothing that I, nothing that I have done has gone. It's not erased from history. But now I get to choose who I'm going to be in future, and I need to choose that really, really carefully, because what I choose is what it will become. Um, so that that's I think the thing is you just have to accept that that's a transition you're making, and then you choose what the result you want is from the end of that transition, and and, and you just work towards it. Brilliant! I love that. I definitely need meat bread love in the south of France. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I think we I think we rented rented a house for like three months, and I think oh. we paid something like two thousand euros for three months for this house. Oh. Um, it, it was it was absolutely brilliant. We had friends and family come and visit us and stay, and you know it was just such a nice. It was such a reset moment in both mm. of our lives, and, and we had lots of conversations about like what do we want our life to be now. And some of those answers were. Okay, at the end of these three, four months, we still don't know. Okay, well, we need to pick that in the future. One one of the big things we, we were deciding was, well, we want to live in a place like this in the future because we were deliberately there in the winter to see what was it like. And it was mm. amazing. I mean, I was the only person in the water. <laughs> <laughs> like I had lost my mind in scarves and gloves. I'm swallowing in the water like a dog in <laughs> the sea. <laughs> Scottish temperament. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. And I think it's so nice to hear that the answer to the question, how did you make yourself more robust, more confident, more secure in your work was to take a break from it for a while. I think it's important to be still, to take that time and take stock and and be okay with ourselves. Because I think so often we get stuck on this kind of hamster wheel of, you know, the more I work, the more I validate myself, the more I work, the more I... And and, and that hamster wheel can become very addictive, not just in a corporate environment, but as a small business owner too. Um, I certainly have struggled with the, you know, the, the, the kind of cycle of, work too much burnout work too much burnout in my own business is having taken that space to to get yourself where you needed to be and to start your business have you found that you've struggled with that sense at all or have you kept that real sense of kind of calm and clarity and you know I guess sense of really clear sense of self and what your boundaries are as you've gone throughout the business um, I'd love to say yes. Like it's you know, <laughs> totally, totally chill. I'm so glad I'm you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm totally, totally chill. No, I'm, I am quite chilled anyway. I'm quite calm. I'm calm in a crisis, but I'm a bit swan-like. Like I've got a great poker face. You can think, oh wow, that's really calm. She's really resilient. But mm. some of it's under the surface. Um, it, it was pretty much like that, I would say, until a little thing called a global pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like anything, you know, when you have major life events or major crises, it's really easy to revert to what soothes you. And what soothes me is work, because I'm motivated by success. I'm motivated by appreciation. Where are the most the two places that I get most of that? I might get it most easily at work. 
So, I mean, in reality, when the pandemic hit, I thought, I don't know if my business will survive this. It was still a, a fairly new business. And I thought, I know that I'm really good in person. It's how I developed my pipeline and my clients. It's how most of my work was delivered. As a consultant, you don't do everything in person, but you do quite a lot in person. And we were actually about to start a major piece of work that I thought, I don't know how I can do this, not in person. But we said to the client, we'll give it a go. And in reality, what happened is the pandemic continued to go on and on and on. And we continued to run work and more. And what I realised, because I am super obsessed with productivity, is I can work more because I don't have to travel. I don't have to spend as much time getting dressed. I have no social life to go to because we all have to stay home. Mm -hmm. And a really great way to soothe the external stuff because I'm, I'm an empath. So I found it really hard to watch what was happening and hear what was happening. A really good way to block all of that out is to work more. So that's kind of what I did for most of the pandemic. And and I would say it's taken a little bit of time now. I've had to work really quite hard to reset that. And a few people that I've spoken to about it are like, oh, do you regret doing that? And I'm like, I don't really because I feel like I got through it. And the result was, yeah, I worked too much, but I just sort of put the money <laughs> into my pension fund and maybe I'll retire. But it, it's, it took me a bit of time to stop and realise, OK, the pandemic's over. Like, I, I need to reset to some better habits because otherwise, because I could keep going, like workaholism is like any holism. It's only a problem when it's ruining other parts of your life. And it was starting to get to that stage again. So I thought, OK, I'm in charge of this now. Like, I can't be like, oh, but my organisation expects it from me. I'm the organisation. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes to that. Yes to all of that. <laughs> yes to all of everything you just said. I feel that very strongly that, yeah, I I had exactly the same experience during the pandemic. Um, there was quite a lot of awful stuff going on in my social life at the time as well and my, my personal life. And because of the world being catastrophic and my life feeling like it was imploding, I did exactly the same thing. I just buried myself head first into work because validation because um, you know <laughs> something you know you're good at right and yeah. if you if you feel like everything is just crumbling to shit around you and you have no control over <laughs> any of it a really great way to feel better is to do something you know you're good at so yeah. <laughs> fully fully empathize with that so yeah. how did you readjust post pandemic? How what what have you put in place in your business and in your life to help you get more work life balance since things have gone back to normal in inverted commas? Um, well, the, the I mean the kind of side effect of working really hard in your own business through a pandemic is that your business really grows. So coming mm -hmm. out of the pandemic, I had to say, okay, this is because that's why your 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 brain doesn't stop you from doing it. It's like you say, you know, you're getting that success. You're, your brain's getting dopamine, your bank account's getting cash. So mm -hmm. when people are like, oh, why don't you stop the work of Elizabeth? You're like, your brain's like, why would she? This is working. This is working. She's on fire here. This feels life. really fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. well, why would you stop something that's so effective? And people are like, you'll burn out. You're like, prove it. <laughs> prove it. <laughs> this, I've been doing this shit 20 years. I'm not burnt out yet. Um so, so it's hard. It's hard to like think that you just rely on it. And for some people, they they have that auto filter that they go, "This is too much." Mm -hmm. um, so I had to sort of think, okay, strategically, I want to grow the business more, but I cannot physically work any more hours. You know, I've almost eliminated the need for anything other than work. But 
that's not going to grow my business. So it, it was mm -hmm. interesting because I then knew I know what the limit is of what my business can achieve working in this way. Okay, that's not a I'm not into setting limits for myself. Like I'm not into limits at all. Um, so I thought, well, something has to change. And I started to explore what that could be and realised, oh, it's probably me that has to change. And I probably have to take better care of myself. And I have to. Annoying. Have to <laughs> the answer I did not want, Chantel. I wanted, I wanted to be like, here's how you can have a 24 hour workday, seven days a week. And then you can have four weeks off for life. Um, but I actually worked with a coach. And you, you know, I worked with Kim Rain. Yeah. Because I was listening to Kim Rain talking, and she works with a lot of high performing women. Because I was really used to hearing this like narrative of failure around resetting. Um, and, I, and I was talking about that this week to some people. I didn't recognise the narrative of failure. People would be like, oh, you feel terrible. Your life's failing. You know, your work's failing. You're making mistakes. None of that, like, resonated with me. I was like, no, it feels like I'm pretty much holding it together here. Mm -hmm. and, okay, but I am a bit tired now. But yeah. Kim spoke a different language, which was about high performing, but, you know, the need to do more and actually physical effects. Because I'm at a certain stage of my life, I was starting to have some perimenopausal symptoms. And, and she was saying, and if you continue, this is what that looks like. So I, I started working with Kim to really recognise how could I do more or how could I achieve more by doing less? And how could I actually feel like maybe I didn't need to chase the next achievement? Because it's like you said about that hamster wheel earlier, it would always be something else. Like I, I always, when I'm talking about money mindset, I always tell this story of, I remember a time in my life when I thought, if I made £40,000, when I'm 40, that'd be like earth shattering for me. Like earth shattering. Like if I if I join the 40 40 club, that will be amazing. Like my life will be perfect. You know, there'll be you know, I'll be massively abundantly rich. Like I'll probably solve like world hunger and peace and stuff like that. <laughs> but like that was such a huge thing. Yeah. And I remember the first month that my business turned over 40,000 pounds, having this massive realization that, oh. Like, that's how much I thought I would, like, live on. And I worked really hard when I earned 40 grand, I can tell you. Like, I worked really hard in every job. The money has never really changed that. The accountabilities have changed. And um, what, what rests on my head, you know, putting it down on the pillow at night's changed. But the effort I put in has never, ever changed. It's just grown. But I kind of realised not everything in my life is perfect. There are flawed parts of it. And what, like, will it be when I earn 40,000 in a day? That, or a week or like what's going to be that part so some of those realizations were that were the things that made me actually make the changes yeah I think it's such a tempting trap to get stuck in is to be constantly reaching yeah and it, it's not to say that reaching isn't an incredibly important part of why ambitious people do well of course it is you know that that reaching for goals that um you know stretch as they call it stretch goals is yeah. important in specific circumstances you know if you're looking at a specific project or a specific launch great set yourself really clear goals and make that stretchy absolutely but in life I've been thinking about this recently and I I think we just are so obsessed with becoming that we really struggle to be like we really yeah. struggle to just exist and be okay with what we are. And, and eventually we we die. And that and it happens, you know, like and that has really been stuck in my head recently because I'm like, what is 
what do what do you do if everything is just what's next what's next what's next when when is that um <laughs> when is that kind of mountain top and the answer is it's never unless you decide to stop and enjoy what you have and, and kind of be where you are it's never right that that yeah. constant reaching is yeah is, is a certain type of life it's a certain kind of um hamster wheel to be on but but how much joy is there in it and I've been thinking about a lot about this in terms of how I go forward in my business next year you know what do I want from it what do I how do I build it around what I need and want for my life and I think that's just taking kind of acknowledging that that actually <laughs> constantly reaching for the next thing isn't necessarily making me happy has been a massive like a, a really massive challenge for me <laughs> because I'm that kind of person too it's a way it's cool I've done that now what What's, yeah. what's the next thing I can be good at achieve accomplish I need the yeah. wins I need the dopamine hits. I need the yeah and, and I think it's right to call it workaholism I think that's exactly what it comes down to isn't it we get obsessed with the results and, and the way it makes us feel yeah and I, I always sort of and, and I know now that like I've, I've done a lot of work this year and last year I know now work on me not just like work um, mm-hmm. I know now that some of this is attached to ego as well so I'm not particularly materialistic. I'm not into status symbols at all. So when people are like, I need the bigger car, I need the bigger house, that's mm-hmm. never been my motivation. I'm not, like, I don't even own a car. I build sustainable transport across the world. Not owning a car is almost a status symbol. Um, I'm not anti-car. <laughs> Lots of people need them because they don't have the transport connections. Yeah. But I've never been the, I want the Merc, I want the Porsche, then I want the Lamborghini. Like I, I like nice things. I love nice things. But I'll not go and spend ten thousand pounds in a handbag. I'm like, no, I actually want like a round the world trip and like a handbag for that price, um, and to do something good with some of that money. So I mm-hmm. think I'd almost sort of went, well, there's nobility in my striving for more, you know. And yeah. and and I always <laughs> think, you know, we can't stop ourselves judging people, but we can notice when we make the judgment and stop ourselves and think that like that's not doing me any good and it's not doing them any good. Let that go. And it took me a while to realise. I, and I wasn't judging other people who were into the status symbols because I'd be like, that's fine. I get that some people are really motivated by it. Yeah. But I almost had attached some sort of nobility to, well, the work I do is good work, you know, like we're out there, you know, making the world better for people. Therefore, there's a nobility in me thinking, well, I've, I've had a 40 billion portfolio. Now I want, you know, a 100 billion portfolio. And that I'd started with it, you know, you want the, Hundred, you want the million pound project, then you want into the multiple millions of projects. Actually, it's the exact same psychology that I realised that it's the very same thing. It's that I think I've heard the words for it. Is it hedonistic? Or, there's a phrase for it in psychology anyway. Nick Pigeon talks about it where you're chasing this next thing all the time. But I thought my next thing's just a different next thing. So it's like I, it's like you say, we've got to choose for ourselves to go. No, what about the thing now? And, and that's the part I've found hard to sort of say, okay, each week, because I've been like, well, I'm I'm going to do all this stuff and then I'm going to retire and have a great time. Well, what if I don't make it retirement because I dropped dead before then from working too much or, you know, whatever it is. So right. putting that time in now has been the thing I've found hardest to have permission to say, I'm going to go to the gym in the morning because that's what I know my body needs to strengthen it. And when someone says, can we have a meeting at 8 a.m., I'm going to say, no, we can have it at nine because I'm going to go to the gym in the morning. Like that to me felt like such a betrayal of my work ethic rather than realising 
that's that's the investment my health needs at this stage of my life. That was physically uncomfortable, even though I actually quite enjoy going to the gym. Yeah, it's almost like investing in your business, investing in yourself and your health is actually an investment in your business because your yes. business without yeah. you is nothing, right? Like yeah. that's that's the deal. If it yeah. doesn't have you, it's not going to work. So yeah. investing in ourselves and rather than, and you kind of hit the nail on the head just now when you said, you know, I felt a nobility in it. So I felt like that justified the constant striving. It's almost like we become martyrs to our business. We're, we're pinning ourselves to this cross and going, it's fine. I can just suffer because the cause is worthwhile. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the cause doesn't happen without us being, you know, healthy, alive, energetic, well-rested, well-fed, all of that good stuff. So yeah. that's such good advice. Before we finish up, Carol, Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. But I always like to ask people two questions at the end of our podcast. So the first one is, what has been hard for you this year? Because on the Choice Words podcast, we like to talk a little bit about the less glossy side of things. And whilst we've done that pretty well today, I would say it's always good to know, you know, that we're not alone, that that business is not hard just for us. So what what has been hard for you this year? Okay, so what's been hard this year is I've been ill twice this year from, from COVID, just, you know, regular, regular old COVID. Um, <laughs> and I'm not used to being sick. I mean, generally pretty healthy. And I found it quite hard to recover from. And I found the, it being quite hard to get well, really hard to cope with emotionally. Um, and not because the physical side, you know, comes when it comes. I found that quite difficult um, because I'm like almost like I should be able to outdo this and get better. And I think that's that's exasperated the other thing that's been quite hard. So we've had some quite difficult stuff going on in our family this year. Mm-hmm. Because this year I have a business that's very much on social media. So as well as my, my consultant business, all my entre- work with entrepreneurs is very public. It's all on social media. And it's been quite difficult at times like, I'm just me. I, there's not two me's. You just, like, I don't have the time to be two people. Mm-hmm. But it's been quite hard to not talk about that or share it and still continue. And I'm a pretty positive person. But to, like, really get a sense of, like, how, how do you authentically still be yourself without saying, everyone, here's all this stuff. Because if it's mine, I can share it. That's fine. I can talk about my stuff that's going on. But it's not mine. It's other people's stuff. It's, it's immediate family members have got some stuff happening. So that's been quite difficult to find that balance. And I think that's probably something in the online world people feel pressure to like show the perfect life or expose everything. Like here's everything that's yes. happening. And I found that balance quite difficult to, to not be like, okay, some shit's going down this week, people, and I'm recovering from being sick. And this stuff has happened to my family who are my most prized people in the world. You know, that's, but also to not go, hey, everything's amazing, look at this fake life. So I, I find that quite a, a challenging balance um, and, and quite a difficult line to walk this year. But I, I think I'm getting there with it. Hey, I love that. And you're so right that that's a challenge people struggle with in this world. We live in such a weird little microcosm in this online space, don't we? Especially with online entrepreneurship and courses and, and the stuff that you and I have both been involved in a lot over the last couple of years. And that balance is very hard. I, I struggle with that myself. I absolutely hear you. And I know a lot of people do. I think the best advice I've ever heard about 
what to share and when to share it. And I've heard this from a few very intelligent people and I therefore am happy to share it all day because I believe them is to speak from the scar, not the wound. So when stuff is happening that feels painful, that's not the time to be plastering it on social media unless you desperately want to of course that's different you know if you want to share if you if you want the empathy you want the support you want that community around you of course by all means share everything but if you feel a pressure to share something wait until it doesn't hurt so much anymore because I think that that can be the difference between catharsis and um and taking meaningful experiences and extracting lessons and and wisdom from them so I I love that and I I'd share that with the with the listeners today yeah I, I, I love that advice I, I had something pretty grim happen in my, my workplace years ago and it was a we actually had a fatality on our project and if that happens when you're a leader on a project you carry that for the rest of your time thinking okay, there was me and probably one other person that could have prevented that. So you, you carry that with you. And not long after it happened, people were like, oh, would you come and talk to our project about that? Because we want to prevent it. It was it was two years before I could speak about it at all. And I had to just say to people, I am I am not in a position because it was it was totally that wound at the moment at that time. Mm-hmm. And it, it was only two years later when the CEO of the company really spoke to me and said, I really want you to go and talk about the story, but I want you to talk about how you've got to here and how long it's got to be here. And I can tell you the first few times talking about it were still really difficult, but it did feel like more of the scar. And it's still not something I go out and, and talk about particularly openly or, or easily because I don't put the emotion away. I let it actually come up when I'm talking about it. But but it's it is coming from the scar and not the wound. But yeah, you can, you, I, I see some people do it in the online space where they're like, oh my goodness, this is live and current for you and I can see your pain and I'm not sure it's helping you like I'm just not sure I mean, it's not my place to, to tell people what they need but I you know you see that rawness and you almost feel like sort of putting your arms around them and going it's okay just get a blanket and the people that love you like this is that not is. the place it, it's a you see a lot of triggering don't you online you see a lot of yeah. people feeling feeling triggered and responding rather and sort of reacting rather and then and then you go okay if you if you could just take a day <laughs> just take a day <laughs> and respond rather than react because the amount of time you see people post things like that and then go back and delete them the next day and you're like yeah good call <laughs> yeah. I love what you said so that's a great phrase to think is this the scar or is this the wound yeah so final question for you, Carol, and I'm sure you've got some great advice because you have absolutely been on a journey with the corporate world, with your own business. Since starting your own business, I'm assuming quite a lot has changed for you. What advice would you go back and give yourself right at the start when you first set up your own business? What would you say? Do you want to swear word free? No, no need for that. No. You don't get me swearing very often. I don't swear very often in a certainly in a work or public forum. I the advice I would say is get up every morning and remind yourself who the fuck you are and then get on with it. I love that so much. Yes. I remember when I quit at my last job, the the last corporate job I had, I got given a book by one of my colleagues who was also planning on these things. And uh, it was called The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving a Fuck. <laughs> and I sat on the train on the way home with my little glass of Prosecco that I bought from WH Smith's. And I read this book. And I just, yeah, it was that like that feeling of 
anything is possible. You just have to care less about yeah. what people think and stay in your lane. I think that is just such, such good advice. Get up every morning and realize who the fuck you are and get on with it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That, that's all advice for work life, employment, self-employment, everything. We've got the title of this podcast, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Remember who the fuck you are and get on with it. <laughs> yeah, we, you know that last week somebody stole some of our copyright. It was actually copyright you had done for me. Yes. And, and I think people sometimes think that if you... If you're a decent person, like I like to think I'm a pretty decent person. I know myself mm. well, but I'm a commercial person. Like I haven't got, you know, around the world and, and uh, through life experience, not accumulating some commercial acumen and skills. Mm. And I was a bit like, oh, but I quite, I was, it was actually someone I was looking at and thinking of bringing into my business to do some work for some of my clients. So, you know, she kind of killed off her own work. But I was a bit like, oh, am I really going to be this commercially aggressive and, and send them like a legal notice? Like this is, you know, instinctively, I know that's what I do in my corporate business. Like I've already had to do that in my corporate business. Be like, hey, here's the lawyer's letter to say, I know it's just dealing my shit. Pack it in right now because next time we're coming after you financially. But I just I felt bad about doing it to like another small business. Um, and, and then, you know, I looked at how quite how blatantly they copied, copied us. And I, but I did that. I got up the next morning because the day she'd done it, I had some stuff happening in my personal life. I've got some family health issues going on. My friend's very ill just now. And I think all of that like had just worn me down. I got up the next morning and honestly, I was just like, who the fuck am I? A person who lets someone just steal my stuff and be like, oh, that's a bit. So yeah, legal notices went out because sometimes you just remember yes. who the fuck you are. <laughs> Absolutely. I actually meant to ask you about that in our conversation today, but I totally forgot. So that is actually a really good question I'm going to finish up with before we go because just to recap what happened was um carol launched a course last year fantastic course called the corporate method which she's launching again in april 2023 if you're interested in joining that make sure you follow carol for that launch it is genuinely a fantastic program and she helps people small businesses launch and sell to corporates but someone took the copy that i had helped carol create for this course and basically replicated it to sell her own program and this is someone you knew so my question, Carol, is how how do you emotionally process that? Because this happens all the time in the online space. And people often say things like, oh, you should be flattered. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no. So how, how do you process that? What do you do if someone blatantly copies your stuff? Uh, well, for me, it's the... Notice what's happening. Notice how you feel about it. Figure out the appropriate course of action. Mm. Make sure. So I I checked it out with a couple of other people because you know we can get caught up in our own ego, and I can't stop someone else teaching people the same thing that I do. That's absolutely fine. Um, but you can't steal my copy to do it. Like you can't do it on that basis. That that's not okay. So I just had to be like, am I being paranoid, or you know, does this look the exact same? And enough people were like. It's exactly the same with a few words changed. You know, if yeah. I'd got four sentences and three bullets, they had the same, but each bullet referred to the same thing. Um, yeah. so, so you sort of check your information, validate it, and then I thought, okay, well, now I just have to decide my course of action. Um, mm-hmm. How do I emotionally process it? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I, I'm fairly resilient. I've had some quite horrible stuff happen in different parts of my life, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of that has led to me having to say 
those people are not going to be part of my life anymore. And I'm actually okay with that. Like I don't have a big issue about, I can have really high performing conversations. If I want us to maintain the relationship, I can say, I can talk about the hard stuff. I can move through it and I can resolve it. But actually, if I think I don't need to resolve this with you, I can say that's done for me. You know, this was an online thing. So blocked them everywhere on social media, pretty much mm-hmm. told everyone. <laughs> um, but I can also look with empathy and say, I feel sad for that person that they didn't think their words were powerful enough to sell that thing. Because there's been people who would have bought from her, who would, mm-hmm. who would have looked at me and went, I actually want to learn what you're teaching, but not from you, because I don't like People that change their hair colour, people that wear glasses, Scottish people, wh- whatever it would be, tall people, short Pretty people. reasonable, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it's not even them thinking it, it's their brain actually just processing yeah. it, all their unconscious bias and going, no, you're like people whose first name begins with a C, so they would never work with you or actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that would have been fine for her, just like put her, I actually love the stuff she was putting out. And mm-hmm. so to me, I thought I have empathy for the fact that you don't feel enough of your worth to go, hey, I've got great knowledge and stuff to put out here. And here it is in my own words. If she had come at me and said, I'm thinking about doing this, might be a bit awkward, what do you think? And I said, yeah, go for it. There'll be people that want to buy this that will never buy from me. Let them buy from you. You've got a different thing to offer. We all have a different thing to offer. That's the lovely thing about being unique. But emotionally, yeah, I'm the master of the Irish death, Chantel. So (laughs) once you're dead to me, I can be like, that's gone, that, that's forgiven because I don't carry like the heart and the anger with me. Like that's that's not good for me. But I can just be then like, yeah, that's over and now you're forgotten about. It's very hard well, to come back to me though. She took the wrong course because if she'd spoken to you, you could have recommended a great copyright. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you new copy for her rather than just... That's exactly what her. I would have done. My advice would have been go to Chantel and get her or her agency to write your copy for you because well, she's this is my words she sold my ideals that had been written by a brilliant copywriter so I'm like well there's a the thing actually I think a lot of people wouldn't and I know you and I talked about this last week when it happened I think a lot of people won't realize that when you pay a copywriter just like when you pay a photographer to write words on your behalf you get a license in your contract to use those in your business those words are licensed to you the intellectual property remains usually with the person who writes the copy so not only did she steal from you she stole from me yeah I I have not sent legal papers but I I would be perfectly within my rights to do so so it's one of those situations where you know copying and stealing people's stuff you never quite know what what the legal ramifications of that can be it can be a lot more than just that one person so it's um it's really sticky ground just generally to be avoided I think yeah just you know if, if you see something you like like if I see something I like I'll either say to people who did that for you or can I ask your advice about it if they say no well you're no worse off but you don't copy them but no. you know reach out to people I wouldn't go after someone punitively like that mm. because I know she's not like obviously if you're stealing someone's ideas you're not doing brilliantly you're struggling like I'm not going to add to your struggle that's not who I am desperation isn't it yeah but but yeah just go and ask people for their help ask to work with them you know I might have been looking but like I say I've been looking for a business coach to to help some of my clients I was looking at and now that work's not there so you're just like oh goodness but yeah people just don't think the ramifications at times no 
Carol, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I know people have got so much value from this. And the, the takeaway lesson, get up in the morning, remember who the fuck you are, don't try and copy someone else. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Carol, how can people find you online to stay in touch and learn more about you if they'd like to? Um, so they can find me on Facebook. I run a free Facebook group called Entrepreneurs Getting Into Hor- Corporates. There's weekly tips on there and how you can do it. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram. So really easy to find me. Come and look Perfect. for me. I'll, find, I'll share all of your links below as well so people can come and find you. And as I say, Carol will be launching the next round of The Corporate Method in April 2023. So if you are a small business owner and you're looking to sell to corporates for the first time or if you've started doing it a little bit but you know you've been making much more money carol is absolutely the yoda you need in your life when it comes to corporate sales so thank you so much carol thank you everyone for listening this has been a few choice words